Welcome to the Thankful Homemaker Podcast, a podcast to be an encouragement and blessing to each other in the role God has called us to as women. I'm so thankful you stopped by, so grab yourself a coffee or tea and sit with me a bit as we talk about how God's Word impacts every area of our lives as Christian women. Hello, friend. I'm Marcy Farrell from Thankful Homemaker, and I'm so glad to be with you today. We finished up our series in the Sermon on the Mount, and that was three years. So right now, I feel a little bit in limbo as where to move next. Plus, it's the end of the year. We have the holiday season coming up. So I keep coming back to some areas in Scripture that I have been camping in. John 13 is one, and that may be a future episode, but I've also been reading and rereading Colossians 3 quite a bit these last few weeks. So today, I'm going to share some thoughts on Colossians 3, verses 1 through 4, on setting our minds on things above. And I'll give a brief introduction on the book of Colossians, and we're also going to discuss one of the major themes of the book, the preeminence of Christ. So today, we are on episode 154, and it's titled, Setting Our Minds on Things Above, Unpacking Colossians 3, 1 through 4. So these verses in Colossians came up because Daryl Harrison from the Just Thinking podcast, which if you don't listen to, I highly recommend it, and it's also one your hubby would so enjoy too. But a while back, he put a challenge on his Twitter or X or whatever it's called now for us to read Colossians chapter 3 verses 1 through 17 daily. I haven't done it daily, but I've, I've done it pretty often. We also memorized Colossians 3 in our Friends of Thankful Homemaker membership group last year. So I can meditate on those verses when I'm intentional about it, like when I'm driving or folding clothes or just staring out the window, which I seem to find myself doing a little bit more often as I'm aging. So when just to kind of begin here with the Colossians, my introduction is I always end each podcast episode with Jesus is enough always, right? And you guys all hear that at the end. But we often hear people or the world telling us that we need more than Jesus. We need a new experience, or we need some new teaching, or a, a new method, or another book to read, or something that we need to add to our Christian experience. But the Apostle Paul tells us plainly and clearly that everything we need for life and godliness is already found in Christ. Christ is sufficient. All of life is in him. So if you are in Christ, this is true of you. Colossians 2.6 tells us we've received him. Colossians 2.7 says we are rooted in him. Colossians 2.7 tells us we are built up in him. Colossians 2.10 tells us we are brought to perfection in him. Colossians 2.20 tells us we are dead with him. And Colossians 3.1 tells us we are risen with him. And Colossians 3.3 tells us we are hidden with him. The ESV Study Bible lays out the theme of Colossians as follows. Christ is Lord over all creation, including the visible realm. He has secured redemption for his people, enabling them to participate with him in his death, resurrection, and fullness. So we know the Apostle Paul wrote Colossians, and at the time he wrote it, he was a prisoner in Rome, and that's from Acts 2117 to 2831. And Paul wrote this letter around the same time he wrote Philemon and Ephesians. 
So around this time, Paul's friend Epaphras, who seemingly came to Christ during Paul's ministry in Ephesus, and then Epaphras probably traveled to his hometown of Colossae and shared the gospel. So now Epaphras shows up in Rome because he needs Paul's help. There's a dangerous heretical teaching that's threatening the church at Colossae, and this letter is a response to the false teaching and to encourage and spur these believers on to maturity in Christ. So we know we are always going to have false teachings, and one way to be able to to discern truth from error is very simply to know God's word. Colossians 1.9 comes to mind when Paul is praying for the believers in Colossae. He says, And so, from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will and all spiritual wisdom and understanding. So scholars, they don't know what the heretical teaching was, and there's all kinds of interpretations and guesses. So it's not necessary for us to know what it is, because in the end, the emphasis Paul puts on it and that we need is to, to be reminded of is our unity in Christ and that Christ is supreme over all. The Apostle Paul is encouraging us to mature in Christ, so we must keep battling sin, pursuing holiness, and learning to know what it looks like to be a Christian in our everyday lives. And to do this, we need knowledge of the Word of God and obedience to it. And one key theme I want to touch on today in our time is the preeminence of Christ. The Apostle Paul addresses it in verses, uh, and I'm just referring here in Colossians, in verses 1, um, chapter 1, verses 15 to 20, chapter 2, verses 9 through 10, and then 3, 1. And all these will be in the main show notes. There's really, you can read most of this podcast episode over at the blog at thankfulhomemaker.com. So let's talk about the preeminence of Christ. I want to read Colossians 1.18 as we begin here. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. So preeminent or preeminence, it means to be ahead of others, to be the first in something. It's, it's a position of supremacy or distinction above other persons or objects. It means to have paramount rank, dignity or importance, and its synonyms are supreme, incomparable, surpassing, transcendent, and unequalable. So Jesus is preeminent, meaning he's first in everything, in importance, in honor and exaltation. He is the head and the beginning and the firstborn. This signifies priority. One commentator shared on this verse, he said, in the culture of the ancient Near East, the firstborn was not necessarily the oldest child. Firstborn referred not to birth order, but to rank. The firstborn possessed the inheritance and leadership. So the idea here is Jesus is first. And we know this as Christians, but do we live our lives as though Jesus is supreme over all? Jesus is self-existent. He's the eternal son of God. He created the universe and he rules over creation. He is the firstborn of all creation. He is preeminent. So if we grasped this truth on an everyday basis, what would it look like lived out in our lives? Because we all can agree as believers that Jesus is important to us and we love him. 
but he can't rank number two or three in importance in our lives. He must be number one. It's so easy to think about Jesus when I'm alone with him in the mornings and I'm reading his word and praying, but then what about as my day begins? And one way that we can keep him at the forefront is to talk about him a lot and think about him a lot. One commentator stated that as we think about and talk about Jesus, it keeps the gospel at the forefront of our minds and the glory of God. And because the gospel is about a person, and that person is Jesus, and God's glory is the radiance of the fullness of who God is. That radiance is a person, and it's Jesus. Colossians 2.9 reminds us that Jesus is the one in whom the fullness of deity was pleased to dwell, right? Jesus is the word of God made flesh. Think there, John 1.18. So think about him often, <clears throat> excuse me, and talk about him to your kiddos in everyday conversations, giving thanks in and through all things is a very simple way to do this. Think about even pondering your words as you begin to find yourself complaining. This is one I have to do quite often, <laughs> but when I'm when I'm complaining about situations or circumstances in my life, then what is that saying to others around me about God's sovereignty over all things? What's that saying to my own heart and mind about God's sovereignty over all things? In his classic book, The Pursuit of God, A.W. Tozer paid tribute to a man, and I don't know who this man is, but I really love this quote, so I wanted to share it with you. He paid tribute to Frederick Faber, and I probably pronounced that wrong, but he's the Englishman who wrote the song, Faith of Our Fathers, and I need to listen to that, and I've not yet, but I want to do that, so that's on my list. I'm scribbling a note to myself as I'm sharing this with you. So Tozer said, speaking about Frederick Faber, he said, His love for the person of Christ was so intense that it threatened to consume him. It burned within him as a sweet and holy madness and flowed from his lips like molten gold. In one of his sermons, he said, Wherever we turn in the church of God, there is Jesus. He is the beginning, middle, middle, and end of everything to us. There is nothing good, nothing holy, nothing beautiful, nothing joyous, with which he is not to his servants. No one need be downcast, for Jesus is the joy of heaven, and it is his joy to enter into sorrowful hearts. We can exaggerate about many things, but we can never exaggerate our obligation to Jesus or the compassionate abundance of the love of Jesus to us. All our lives, we might talk of Jesus, and yet we should never come to an end of the sweet things that might be said of him. I so love that. Another um, quote I want to share with you is R.W. Dehan stated, he said, Christ deserves our loving adoration. He is truly the preeminent one. And those will all be in the main show notes too, if you want to read them to yourself. So in Colossians chapter 1, the Apostle Paul lays out the preeminence of Christ. And then in chapter 2 of Colossians, he addresses the false teaching teaching and reminds the Colossians in Colossians 2, 9 through 15 of their resource in Christ. So as I'm stating all this, I hope if you get time as you're listening to this or after you're done, just if you could just take, because Colossians is a pretty quick book to read through, if you could just take 15 minutes and give that book a read, and then ponder just rereading Colossians 3, 1 through 17. That's just just a little nugget in there I'd love to encourage you to do when you get a moment. So, so now we turn to chapter 3. 
in Colossians. And our first four verses share with us what our proper focus in our lives as Christians should be. These are ones we all know. We have all heard over and over and over again, right? But what does it mean that we should be focused on Christ and the life above? The, the rest of chapter three after that addressed instructions instructions on living the Christian life. So we're just going to walk through Colossians 3, 1 through 4 today. I'm going to read these four verses, and then we're going to start taking them kind of a verse at a time. So starting in chapter three, verse one, if then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. So our verse begins with a reminder of what has come before. Paul is drawing here on the theological implications that he laid out in chapters 1 and 2, and now he's beginning to address how they are to affect our lives as Christians. He reminds the Colossian believers and us, I always say that I'm talking, you know, he's talking to the Colossians, but he's talking to us, right? That, that we have been raised with Christ. When Jesus rose from the dead, those of us in Christ rose with him. And in Christ, we are already in heaven. That's our true home. When Christ ascended to his heavenly throne and sat down, we did too. We have a new address now. We still have this earthly address, right? But being in Christ changes everything. We now have a new address and a new culture. We can say as when we're visiting somewhere from out of town, I'm not from these parts. I love that. (laughs) So what are the things above? What should we be seeking? Okay, first off, Christ is there. So we need to be seeking him, thinking about him, his character, his presence. And the word seek here is in the present imperative, and it just means a continuous ongoing. We are to be continually seeking the things that are above. And one way we do this is through prayer as we ask and seek and knock. Seeking the things above should impact our conversations with one another, our friendships, our work, our interaction with our family, how we care for our home, even our play. As we continue to seek, it will enhance our fullness in Christ. So in seeking, in the seeking above, we're not to set our minds on things on the earth. We can tend sometimes to just think of material things, right? But also think of the world and its system of things like prestige and power and titles and worldly honors. This doesn't mean that we withdraw from the world. We don't become monks, okay? We don't do that. But we should strive for excellence and we should do our best in all we do. However, as believers, it's really crucial that we don't view these achievements as the only things that matter. I like this um, from Sam Storms, and it was a book that he had on devotions on, it was like 100 devotions on Colossians, and I'm blanking on the name, but it's in the show notes. But I want to paraphrase one of the quotes that he had in it. He said, thinking about things above doesn't mean we should ignore our daily life and responsibilities. Paul is using these directions to show a difference in quality, the contrast between below or on earth and above or down and up or here and there shows the difference between the current world, which is rebelling against God, and the future world where Christ's rule will be fully manifested. So when we what we set our minds on, it's going to determine the direction of our lives as Christians. So do our minds regularly go to Christ? Like when things are hard or when something good happens or when we're thankful? 
We need to be praying continuously. Lord, help me to set my mind on the above things. We need to hold the things of this earth with an open hand. Somebody said, hold tightly to what is eternal, but loosely to what is temporal. I'm going to say that again. It's in the show notes. Hold tightly to what is eternal, but loosely to what is temporal. When even things like to meditate on these verses, one way to do that is to memorize them. So memorizing Colossians 3, 1 through 4, it's going to be a way to help us to be mindful, to remind us to meditate on the things that are above. I love this quote from one commentator. His name is Dennis Fisher. No idea who he was, but I love this. He said, stepping outside and gazing heavenward on a star-studded evening always helps to soothe my soul after a trouble-filled day. When I peer into the night sky, I forget at least for a moment the cares of life on earth. I love that. Gazing heavenward. So ancient Israel's prolific songwriter wrote a poem thousands of years ago, and it still rings through. And I'm going to quote here from Psalm Psalm 8, verses 3 and 4. When I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars with which you have ordained, what is man that you are mindful of him? and the Son of Man, that you visit him. When we think about the vastness of God's universe, it can make our troubles seem small. But to God, our problems matter. So despite the countless galaxies that he oversees, God thinks about us. And more than that, he takes care of us. He loves his children, and he does care about every detail of our lives. I always think here, no wonder the Apostle Paul advised new believers to set their minds on things above, because in doing so, we raise our thoughts above the level of earthly disputes and focus instead on our loving Heavenly Father who wants us to know him, to know how to live peacefully with one another, and to know that we can live eternally with him in a place even more beautiful than we can ever imagine than the heavens. We can't even fathom. <clears throat> Psalm 19.1 says, The heavens declare the glory of God. So let's us join creation in praise to him because God gives us everything. We owe him all our praise. We must seek the things above because that is where Christ is. It's from verse 1 there in chapter 3. He's the exalted center and supreme sovereign of the eternal and heavenly realm. Why would we want our lives and thoughts and actions fixed anywhere else? The beauty of heavenly things is because Jesus is there. It's the wonderfulness and attractiveness and perfection and strength and brilliance of Christ who has risen that Paul points us to. When Christ is the center of our focus, everything else comes into proper perspective. Would you say that's true? I know that's true for me. Again, when Christ is the center and I'm focused on him, Everything else is put into proper perspective for me. And it, all the things on my mind, like it calms my anxiety, it keeps my heart prayerful, it makes my words and my thoughts and my attitudes and actions, in a way, they're, they're honoring to him because I'm focused on him. Jesus Christ is the head of the church, the beloved of the Father, and he's the eternal God. He deserves to have preeminence in our lives. Let me read Colossians 3, 3 through 4 as we move forward here. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. We see our past is given in verse 3 there. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When we were baptized into the body of Christ by the Holy Spirit at the moment of our conversion, we died. Our old self died. 
we were born again. And so our lives are now hidden with Christ and God. Our death with Christ was a real event. We died to the power and influence of that lovely old master we all know, sin. But now, thanks to Christ's completed work on the cross, we share in his victory over sin and death. And now, having the Holy Spirit at work in us, we can actually die to self. For the first time, we can choose not to sin, right? We know this. We do not have to sin. We will still sin. I'm not saying we're perfection here by any means. You get it. But we do not have to sin anymore. We have the power of the Spirit at work in us. As, as you read the rest of the chapter of Colossians 3, which I hope you will, at least all the way down to verse 17, and again, if not the whole chapter, just at least get to that verse 17, you're going to see what death to self looks like in our day-to-day lives, because Paul gets pretty practical there. John 3.30 is such a good reminder to us we need. He must increase, I must decrease. He must increase, I must decrease. One to repeat and meditate on. The tense here of hidden in Christ is, is imperfect. And again, it means it's ongoing. Our lives are hidden with Christ and God, and they are going to remain that way. I have another quote here from Sam Storms I want to share. He said, Paul's use of the word hidden is somewhat analogous to what we can and cannot see of a flower. The root system is concealed beneath the surface of the earth. How it derives nutrients from the soil and contributes to the growth of the stem, leaf, and flower is unseen, being somewhat of a mystery. But the beauty of the rose is for all to behold. Its color and fragrance are ever on display for the joy of all people. Likewise, the Christian whose strength and incentive and inner life are, quote, hidden from view, but whose kindness, faith, perseverance, and love are a perpetual witness to the glory of God's grace within, end quote there. So we're dead to our old life, and we're alive to our new life, and our new life is now hidden in Christ with God. Our future is secure and inseparable if we are in Christ. Our lives are now part of the above. One commentator stated it that in Jesus there is fullness. His fullness has passed into our emptiness, his righteousness into our sinfulness, his life into our death. Just as we see our past here in verse 3, we now see our future in verse 4. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. So right now, our lives are hidden with Christ and God. But when Jesus is revealed in his glorious body at his coming, we will also be revealed because we will have bodies like his. Philippians 3, 20 and 21 states, um, But our citizenship is in heaven, and from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body by the power that enables him even to subject all things to himself. Paul shares in Romans 8, 29 and 31, as if it already happened. It's past tense here. Listen to this. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. And those whom he predestined, he also called. And those whom he called, he also justified. And those whom he justified, he also glorified. My dear friend, being in Christ, we have a glorious future that awaits us. We need to have minds and hearts that are not fixed on the temporal things of this world, but pray for minds that are set on things above. Hold the scriptures close to your heart, which is why we need to take time to memorize God's word and keep it hidden in our hearts. Why? So we might not sin against him. 
when we're reminded of these truths and, and that we belong to Christ, it helps us to put all of life into a proper perspective. And I get it. We are in a waiting period right now. And life is hard, right? And there's an example I heard in regard to this of waiting, There's that there's two types of waiting. And I want to share this quote from you. It's from a commentary on Colossians called God's Word for You. So this particular commentator states it is rainy day waiting and house guest waiting. So he says, rainy day waiting is passive. It is like the child who is desperate to kick a ball around in the park, but sits unmoved from the front window, desperate for the downpour outside to stop. There's nothing to do but sit there staring out, bored out of your mind. House guest waiting is the exact opposite. If treasured friends are coming to visit, then you rush around the house tidying up and getting everything ready. If there are things like certain foods or flowers you know that they love, then you will make sure you are fully stocked. He says, so we want to be the house guest waiters. Jesus has revealed the values and perfection of heaven to us, and we want to do everything we can to share with those around us as part of our preparations for his return. We wait in confidence and security not anxiety and nervousness. We are in Christ, but we are not passive in our waiting. So Anthony Ashley Cooper, he's the seventh Earl of Shaftesbury. He, no idea who this is. <laughs> he, he, but this particular man, he did so much to help the poorest of the poor in Victorian Britain. I feel like I need to look him up and study about him a little bit more. He passed legislation so young children would not be sent up as chimney sweeps or down mines to dig for coal. And towards the end of his life, this was the entry in his diary. He wrote, I do not think that in the last 40 years I have lived one conscious hour that was not influenced by the thought of our Lord's return. That needs to be all of us, right? Mr., I'm going to say his name, Anthony Ashley Cooper, he had a mind focused on the eternal, and he had a huge earthly impact. So being in Christ and knowing our true home address will impact how we live out lives in the here and now. May we rejoice today in anticipation of our future in him. May we ponder and pray about what it looks like in our daily lives to be heavenly minded. Because Jesus truly is enough always. I am so, so thankful for your time today. And as I always state, the full show notes are at my blog at thankfulhomemaker.com. And friend, if you're enjoying the podcast, could you just take a minute or two to leave a rating or review wherever you listen in? It so helps others to find the podcast. I read each one and they are such a sweet blessing and encouragement to me. Thank you so, so much for your support. I am truly grateful, my friend, to have you as a listener. And I do pray you have a very blessed week. 